Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Will We Watch? This is the mini episode. We're talking movie diets, and uh, we're joined by the terrific, the fantastic, and the uh, overly stressed, uh, <laughs> Selena Raskin. Hello, it's me. Selena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is always so much fun. You are here for our uh, goofy movie episode. Yes. It's still a staple. Solid episode. Like, <laughs> you, we, Not just the episode. I was mainly referring to the movie. The movie is, I mean, I'm so that's glad a really good movie. It is. I, I had no idea that you had never seen that before until the episode. Yeah, I had seen so many trailers. Like, that was such, I again, I feel like we're just, rec- let's, let's do a let's... quick recap. <laughs> I had watched the TV show a lot on uh, on one VHS that had two episodes. And I'd seen the trailer. And that's my goofy experience. I That's, a, you know, as much goofy as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and yeah, no, that was a ton of fun. And I'm so excited to be back. And uh, I'm really excited to get into it, this movie diet. Yeah. Like, and then, of course, you're here for our uh, our Shrek episode, which would have just posted, which yeah. we technically have not recorded yet. So. Oh, that is an exciting one. You know, I highly recommend it, even yeah. though I haven't voiced the actual episode yet. No, but you were fantastic on it. Thank you. I can yeah, already likewise. tell. <laughs> 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 um, and then you're also here for our other mini episode, the uh, top five movies that are obviously shot in Vancouver, which is a hilarious look behind the scenes of Hollywood North. Completely. And it also defines who I am as a person yeah. because I am that obnoxious person who is like, oh, this was shot in Vancouver. That's Georgia Street. That's the art gallery. And people are just like, all right, Selena, thanks. To this for the day, tour. whenever me and Jade drive through the tunnel, I always go, you know, this is where I spy is. Or like, <laughs> this is where I robot was shot. Yeah. I, uh, I watched. Um, for Shrek, we'll get into this later. But for um, for I watched Shrek very, very late last night, and I watched um, Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed right after. And that movie is also shot in Vancouver, as we know. And um, I knew a lot of the like, but I haven't watched that movie since I was a kid. And uh, they shoot they shoot all over Georgia Street in Chinatown yeah. in Vancouver. I remember the art gallery. I remember um, the North Shore. I remembered. The little cabin in Maple Ridge, but I didn't remember how much of Vancouver they shot up. And oh, and Britannia Mines, they go there too. I was gonna say. And I forgot how much of Vancouver they rented for that movie. I was shocked. I was like, you couldn't get away with that now. I mean, no, Sonic is doing that right now, but I, it's expensive. Yeah, Jade. Uh, Jade was walking through. I mean, I th- we recorded Scooby Doo one, I believe, for our Halloween episode. Yeah. Uh, Jade was the guest and she has a photo of herself as a little kid in Central Park with the mystery mobile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They also filmed in Stanley Park. It was funny to me because it was just for this really short flashback sequence where the kids are like all playing and then they get something stuck in a tree. Yeah. And I was like, man, they rented out Stanley Park for this like 20 second scene. It's the big budget. It's the Scooby-Doo money. Scooby-Dooby money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Um, we're yes. talking movie diet. We're talking how to balance your movie diet. Uh, and I don't know how you are, but currently through this pandemic, my, it's gotten a little unbalanced. I've, I've been watching a lot more junk than I've been taking in good stuff. And I'm trying to have like a, I'm trying to be actively 
healthy right now. Yeah. Trying to actually But honestly, put, yeah. tis the season for junk food in terms of films oh. yeah. because like wow, we're going through it. There's so much happening. Um my my diet actually got very sparse at the beginning of this uh pandemic because I just didn't want to watch anything. I had mm-hmm. no motivation to watch anything anymore. It was it was the weirdest thing because so many people at the beginning of the pandemic were like, wow, I have so much that I can do. Yeah. I have so much this time to watch stuff. And for me, I just kind of shut down and did not do anything um, in terms of watching stuff. And then I binge watched all, oh God, how many seasons? Was it seven at the time? Oh, no. It was, uh, I, I, I have lost track because there's so many spinoffs and there's so many, you know, but of like drag race, like the original show oh, I yeah. binge watched. I mean, I all think the, they're oh, at no. nine or 10. No, I think they're at 11 right now. Yeah. And I know I could be so wrong, but, um, basically I binge watched up until, um, Evie Oddly's yeah. season where she won and, the season after that one was the one with the um, groomer, like, uh, person who was, like, yeah. sexually harassing a bunch of drag queens and, like, um, catfishing and all this kind of gross mm-hmm. stuff. Um, that's when I stopped watching it. But I binge-watched, like, that entire span of episodes within a two-week period. You saw from I went, season one? Yeah. Wow. I went from nothing to everything with it like not including all the spin-offs yeah. i did not do the the i don't know i don't even remember the all name stars. all stars i didn't do all stars Euro or like England. i didn't do uk yeah. i didn't do you know i only the main drag race series but i watched all of it within such a short sp- period of time and it was such a weird going from nothing to that and then um and then my friend dan mm-hmm who I know, who I met through Discord, um, Dan Connell, he lives in Hawaii and he hosts movie nights in person, but then he started hosting movie nights over Discord. And that's how I got back into watching movies regularly again, which was really awesome. And it was in, it was very serendipitous because like that happened and then you started your podcast and it was all in the same kind of theming of, um, watching movies that you watched as a child. Yeah. And, um, he just like, he went absolutely bananas when it came to hosting. He would, he used to host, was it on Fridays and Saturdays? Um, one in a PST time and one in a Hawaii time. Wow. And then he made it just on Saturdays, but he did two different time slots in the day Mm -hmm. for the different times. And then this year he, he's just like wild. No, starting in Christmas, he started in December but he would do Fridays and Saturdays with different movies. Like Fridays and Saturdays would have different movies, but then Saturdays would still have the two different time slots. It was pretty insane. Um, How many people were a part of this? Oh, like a regular, there would be regularly anywhere from like five to 15 people. And it in was just one? like in each one. Yeah. Wow. And it'd be I the mean, same movie, each one. Um, Like not every weekend, but just in terms of like, well, cause there was just two different time frames, So there was like, um, a group of people who were more mainland yeah. North America who would join the earlier time. And then there'd be like more Hawaii people that he knew in person, oh, cool. mostly that would join the Hawaii time. Yeah. 
but that actually defined my that, that that defined my movie watching diet throughout the year of 2020 and like into this year as well because it was something nice and consistent that I didn't have to put effort into mm-hmm. truly I just showed up and enjoyed the movie with my friends and we got to talk about it we got to play Jackbox games afterwards like it was such a great thing to have because I think 2020 was such a defeating year for so many people mm-hmm. both mentally and physically for some um and so it was really nice to have this consistent thing and since that was happening it's like i don't think i would have watched movies as frequently as i did in 2020 if it had not been for those movie nights and the thing that was nice about those movie nights is like yeah a lot of them are bad movies (laughs) but some of them were like surprisingly good i was i had two ends of the scale where um we we, re god we re (sighs) Okay. It's all good. I got a stutter, we, so I'm used to this. <laughs> we rewatched The Parent Trap, and oh. I was like, this is a great, like, I knew this was a good movie, but this is a great movie. It's we, a we, Nancy Myers yeah. film. It's it's terrific. We it, did it on this podcast. It's yeah. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. And um, we watched Spy Kids. Mm, One and two are very good. That's coming up. Spy Kids 3D is still like there in my heart, but I will acknowledge that it has, you know, it's awkward. The Elijah Wood death in it is one of the best. It's great. You know, Spy Kids 3D is great, (laughs) but like it is not a good film. You know, it's great, but it's not good. I've yet to, I've yet to rewatch it as for this experiment. I've yet to rewatch it as an adult and I'm excited to see how it's aged. Oh, it's, it was an amazing experience. So there were movies like that where, you know, you rewatch them and you're like, wow, this is, you know, in a way I had a bigger appreciation for them as an adult because I was like, this is a really solid film that they made for kids that just holds up and it's just solid storytelling. Mm -hmm. And then I rewatched the Lizzie McGuire film, which, wow. Um, I love that film as a kid. I absolutely adored that film as a kid. I, you know, this is what dreams are made of was a bop. <laughs> and, and you know what? I will say it is still a bop, but rewatching that film as an adult. Wow. It's bad. Like it's the script is a big mess and some people still love it. And honestly, good for them. They get to hold on to that nostalgia that I lost yeah. that night when I watched oh that movie. Oh, my God. Losing innocence. Yeah. But it was very serendipitous how, like, you have this podcast that I was listening to along with watching these, like, movie nights with my friend Dan where it was all kind of in the same vein of, like, going back to, like, your childhood movies and rewatching them as an adult either to, you know, celebrate or to mourn the loss of what, yeah. what your expectations I were. Think- I mean, I think this happens with a lot of people during the pandemic is you go back to like friends blew up because everyone wanted to go back to a place of comfort and everyone wanted to like, don't watch anything new, go back to something that you know the ending of and that just reminds you of better times. Yeah. I think that's like a classic reaction to something as stressful as a global pandemic. Totally. And I think... The other thing for me personally is that before the pandemic, I watched and listened and consumed very depressing media. Mm. Like all my favorite TV, movies, shows, podcasts were all very dark. Yeah. Um, and I really, really love that stuff. And I still do. You're a little bit of a dark soul. I'm a dark soul, you yeah. know. You're kind of Raven a... Raven with Medentia Way or whatever her name is. <laughs> um, you know, she's my kin. Um <laughs> 
What <laughs> reference is that? Uh, uh, the My Immortals uh, Harry Potter fan fiction. Oh, you dork. <laughs> you dork. Uh, anyways, getting back to it. I liked really dark stuff. And yeah, when the pandemic hit, I was at a loss in terms of didn't want to listen to things, didn't want to watch things because everything that I really loved was just so dark and it wasn't the stuff I was really going to be able to stomach. Yeah. And then the one comedy show that I enjoy is a cop show. Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm. was the only comedy show that wasn't like secretly, uh, like, you know, people say BoJack Horseman is a comedy. It's not. No. It's not. Like, I mean, There's it's one funny. episode solely about a eulogy yeah which is the darkest episode it is so dark yeah. it is, i mean i don't think it's the darkest episode um the darkest episode in my opinion is a huge spoiler and i'm not gonna say let's it. let's not get into it you know the one yeah, i'm talking yeah, yeah. about but the eulogy episode it that yeah so this bojack horseman is like a serious show with comedic elements would you count bojack as more kale or milkshake as uh, like junk food or is it kind of healthy to bring in? Oh, I think it's healthy because it's like really sitting down the viewership and like forcing them to address like some deep city issues. Yeah. I think it's when people turn their brains off yeah. and don't really look at themselves. What do you count when... Brooklyn Nine-Nine as that? Brooklyn Nine-Nine is kind of junk food. Okay. Like, I mean, there's good writing in it and I think they do have a good message. And I don't, I'm not saying the creators are like pro-cop in the way of like anti Black Lives Matter. No, I, I it's just, not a Blue Lives Matter show. It, that's not a. It's no. not a Blue Lives Matter show. They do bring up real issues, but the problem for me was not the show or the creators or the actors. And like, I know the message was good. That's why I liked it for so long. But what it was was just the Black Lives Matter protests were really, you know, really coming to fruition. And you saw the pushback from cops, yeah. and it was just. Like, how can I enjoy a show about cops being funny mm -hmm. right now? Even though I know the creators are good, even though I know the creators are not associated with cops, it was just, like, the one comedy I had was, like, I couldn't watch that. And then all the rest of the things that I watched are very depressing. Like, yeah. BoJack Horseman, I still haven't finished the last season. I'm about halfway through. I have to go at it in really slow increments mm. because it's hard and it's heavy hitting. Um... So, you know, I think that's another thing is just a lot of people kind of in the same vein as me who don't really watch comedies. That's not really their main forte. Mm -hmm. And now they're stuck in this world where they're like, I can't watch something that's depressing. Um, so I need I need something that I like I can feel reassured in. Mm -hmm. And that's not something you haven't seen before. So most of it has been either like really dumb kids movies that I've never seen before with the movie nights slash I have seen before, or it's just rewatching like old classics. Yeah. Though. Um, thankfully I kind of threw in some TV in there. Um, I've been watching what we do in the shadows. I mean, I've the, been told that that's a, a terrific show. Like I've been told it's better show. than the movie. It's that I was, I was questioning that initially. And then I watched it and I was like, no, this is better than the movie only because they have more room to like build on mm. it. And they've done a really good job of like, they took what was really good about the movie and kind of took the elements, but not the core of it. Like they're not remaking the movie. It's yeah. the, it's whole new characters in a whole new area, just in the same universe with the same tone. Mm -hmm. And they just took the same like great, 
comedy bits in terms of like how they structure the movie into the show and then they built a bigger show out of it and it's great and then i also really love succession like oh i discovered that show because of a twitter parody really like uh, there was this guy where it was like um succession but everybody wants his m&ms and he it's this one guy and he mimics all the characters and i remember showing it to somebody who liked succession i was like is this really what succession is about and they were like this is exactly what succession is and i was like i have to watch this show and it's such an odd mix because it's so serious toned in a weird way but then it's like it's the funniest show so funny yeah and that was such a i love it because it's such a bending of expectations completely and god that's a good show so there's like stuff like that but everything right now everything that i'm watching is kind of like going into it like with firm uh recommendations slash i'm spoiling myself to know what's coming up yeah um, there have been films here and there that I have watched in terms of like big name films that are like, this is a good film. And I go, yeah, this is a great film. Like I watched The Father this week with the friends of mine. Because yeah, you were telling me about that. Because they were doing the um, the Oscar Best Picture um, marathon kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I was working so I couldn't attend all of them, but I managed to get home in time to watch The Father. And it's rough. Like it's a great, it's a good film. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best film ever made, but it is a really good film. And the strongest point about it is how it depicts Alzheimer's, Mm. um, Alzheimer's, uh, perspective of like a person who is going through it. Um, the editing in is so it, it, oh God, I can't even talk. The editing is so phenomenal in that film. Uh, it's scary. Like it is a horror film in a way because you are coming from the perspective of this man who no longer understands his reality and time is no longer linear Mm -hmm. and it jumps around all over the place people jump all over the place and it's it's horrifying and isolating like it's incredibly isolating and they really hit that home with the fact that like he sees every place that he goes to as his as this apartment since he started getting Alzheimer's. And it's not even his apartment. He thinks it's his apartment, but it's his daughter's apartment. And um but every single set is just built into the house set. So like when he's going to the doctors, it's like in the house set. It's because I've heard it's based on a play, so that makes a lot of sense. That's a cool way to make a play cinematic and like work with what the play gives you, yeah, a hundred percent. Which is what was such a smart storytelling, um, thing to work with. Like, that film was great. I do really, it was like this. I came out of it and I was like, this was a great movie, but I also came out of it really exhausted yeah and i realized because i was like gonna go watch nomadland the next day and i was just like oh i am so tired like i I, my heart is hurting i can't just watch all these really depressing films back to back anymore like right now you know and even though things are like in um in comparison to a lot of people my life is great honestly um i can't complain um got a lot of good things going but i think there's just a lot of hurt in the world that is real Mm -hmm. and so 
I can't sit down as often as I used to with things that are like that speak to a real hurt, but in a um, fictional scenario. Yeah. I can't take on more hurt as often as I used to. And I think, I think I have to come. So I've kind of danced around, you know, I've just talked a lot, but I think my main thing is, is that um, how I need to, you know, what I want to change with how I view things because I think I kind of guilted myself internally a little bit thinking, well, I'm just all I'm doing. I kind of got away with it for most of 2020, but I don't want to just watch, you know, all of these movies, all of these nostalgia flicks all the time. I want to get back into watching like more highbrow stuff for me, you know, to take on something I haven't seen before and not only just watching stuff, rewatching stuff. What and to you, uh, like what to you, sorry to interrupt. No, you. you're good. What to you um, is that kind of healthier nutritional? Because you're a filmmaker mm-hmm. and do you see, um, you know, like I, I, it feels like a lot of the content that you have been taking in is more like it seems like you don't take it as seriously as or you don't find as much like kind of nutrition in it as like the father Mm. um what to you do you see as like what you should be getting back to or that you want to try to be getting back to right um i've come to realize that it's not about necessarily getting back to Mm. something because we are in this new world and i I have been guilting myself for so long about like, oh, I should be getting back to mm-hmm. this stuff, but um, I'm not going to because my heart isn't in it. Yeah, um, that's good. And that's not to say that I'm never going to watch a really hard film again. I still have plans to watch Nomadland and Sound of Metal, and I know those films are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely still really want to watch them, but I think the way that I go about watching them has to be a different mindset. Like I have to set aside time. And I have to like emotionally prepare myself and it sounds kind of dumb, but I think I have to make it more of an event. Mm. And that's another thing is that when we used to go see movies in theaters back in ye olden days of, you know, of, of, not of pre-COVID, yeah. um, you know, it was an event. Going to see a movie was an event. It had to be. You had to get up, you had to put on clothes, you had to leave your house. And normally you'd be going with other people. Or if you're going alone, you're still going to a place of business in a public area. Paying you're, money. You're paying money. So you're even more committed to it. A hundred percent. You're paying money. You're, you know, sitting down. You're, you're preparing yourself for sitting and watching something for however long it is. Yeah. Whether or not that is grabbing food beforehand or going to the washroom beforehand, you know, you are preparing yourself like an event. And I think with home watching, you know, that's not the case is like because you can just put anything on. We have a million streaming services. You can get access to films like everywhere now. And, you know, theaters are still shut down, at least here. But basically, uh, I think I need to go back. Weirdly enough, it's not going back to how I watch serious films at home. It's going back to how I would seriously watch films when I would go to theaters. I need to incorporate the theater mindset at home when I watch these films. And I did that with Shiva Baby, which I'm glad I did because somebody explained, somebody told me it was a comedy. It's not. It's a horror film. That is a thriller, like a tense thriller what is a shiva baby I've, i haven't heard of it <gasps> you would love it so shiva baby um 
is this it was it was a short film mm-hmm. um from a student filmmaker who i'm forgetting the name of right now and i'm going to just pull it up because she she did a really phenomenal job with this but she made a short film and it did really well at festivals and she went on to make the feature film and the feature film it is about this 20 something millennial who is uh is a sugar baby and Mm, i love this already this (laughs) seems like a really fun film it is it is really fun um so she's a sugar baby and she has to go to um she has to go to a funeral a jewish funeral and uh her sugar daddy shows up at the funeral but obviously her family doesn't know what she does shiva baby her ex is there um her ex who is a woman And so she's just trying to survive being at this, um, being at this event with all of these people she doesn't want to, like, she has all these secret lives kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And all of these, all of these past, uh, I would say conflicts that she just hasn't addressed and she's just run away from Mm -hmm. that are now she's like forced to face head on. And is it the eight day, is it set over the eight days of sitting Shiva or is it? No, it's it's just one afternoon because okay. it's um, but it's uh, it's um, but it feels claustrophobic because yeah. you're like trapped inside this house with her as she's trying to navigate around, um, dealing with all these people from her past and her present who she doesn't want to interact and like finding out about those people and what they're hiding from each other, and it's very claustrophobic. It is really, really good. It is very tense, though. And the whole movie, I was squirming. I was just like, oh, this is so... It's a great film, but I am squirming in pain with how tense and awkward this thing is. Because you really, you instantly get into her perspective of how, like, you're, you're in it. Like, regardless of whether or not you like her as a person... She's a phenomenal character. Um, she's played really well by um, Rachel Sennett. Yes, Rachel Sennett. She is kind of a famous interpret. Like she's not famous in the way of some other internet personalities, but mm-hmm. she would make like videos on Twitter mm. um, that would kind of blow up. She made one where she's like, "Oh, I'm from LA." That was like a big one, and she was. And so that actually made me think. Oh yeah, I guess this is a comedy when I was initially going into it because she does comedic content online yeah. and she has really witty like text posts and stuff like that on Twitter. Um, but then watching the movie, I was like, this is not a comedy. This is not a comedy. Nothing about this is funny. This is horrifying. This is horrifying from point one to point. I'm going point a to, to watch this. It's a this great film. So good. And it's on, um, it's on, uh, app it's wherever you can buy it it's like 10 bucks to own it and did you check your phone during it this is like my new thing no i didn't i i set it up like a theater experience so that was my first time where i was like i need to set this up like a theater experience accountability yeah honestly like i think that's what i'm kind of learning yeah is like being accountable to your to the movie a hundred percent and it wasn't just like what i did was i made hot chocolate and I like made a little snack 
um, beforehand. I like put my phone on airplane mode. I close. I have blackout curtains because I work in the film industry, and sometimes I do night shoots, and it's horrible. But I have black. I have like blackout curtains, and I was just like, all right. And I just like, um, it was like the middle of the day. So I kept like a far window open so I would have like some light and not be a complete gremlin in darkness. But I closed like the back. Um, I made my room very dark, made very overhead dark. Yeah. And um, I like sat down with this film and I told the people that I live with, I was like, I'm not available until this time. I'm watching a movie. Don't interrupt me. Like not that rudely, I guess. Yeah. But I was just like, I'm watching this movie until this time. I'm not going to be available. Um, and I sat and watched this movie and it's only, I think it's only 70 minutes long, which is another thing is this is a short movie. It's an hour and 17 minutes. Yeah. It's short. It's yeah. So I was, you know, it was the perfect first like proper going through all the motions that I've done and, um, and it was great. I think more people need to be like you. That, like honestly, I think that is something that if people are having a hard time getting into movies, I think giving yourself that amount of restrictions is a really cool thing to do. I'm gonna start doing that. That sounds like something that I should 100 like, percent. Yeah, and it's all about doing. like the prep beforehand too. Because mm-hmm. if you get yourself, if you sit down and if you're midway, like oh I want to get a snack, oh I want to do this, uh, you're going to because you're just watching a movie at home. Yeah. If you are like I got to do all these things before I sit down and watch this movie, then you're good. Um, the other thing I want to get into too, which was also inspired by um, this, was just a lot of times films would come up and I'll go, Oh, this would be such a good double feature with this other movie. Or I would think about, I'd be like, Oh, this would be a great mashup with this. And whenever I would think those things, it would always be in the context of, Oh, okay. I'll do that eventually. Like I'll set that up and make it nice. Yeah. Kind of in the same vein as how people view their like nice, uh, China, you know, the, the fancy China. Okay. I'm going to bring that out for a special occasion. Uh, I'm going back to the mindset of take out that fancy china and eat your scrambled eggs in the morning on it. Eat your hot dogs on it in the afternoon. Like eat your basic stuff on it. And I'm seeing that with films with now I'm kind of looking at it like thinking about films that I want to watch in a double feature and going, I should just watch that right now and just sit down and like set myself up and just watch these two films right now. I think you gave us a new term. Because me, <laughs> me and Dana on the last episode of Movie Dad, we were talking about how we put movies on a pedestal mm-hmm. when they're not meant to be. Yeah. They're meant just like that. It, China, like obviously fancy dining wares meant not to be eaten like that. But uh, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that with just a plate. And movies are just plates. Yeah. They're just meant to be watched. A hundred percent. And also... I love that. You should definitely start doing that. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that is, I just realized, is a much healthier mindset because there's a, there's a couple films that I love that I've been putting off watching because of that pedestal effect yeah. that you guys were talking about where I would go, like, I need to be in the right time frame to, like, watch this film. Yeah. And just being... For me, it comes up usually through, like, thinking about double or triple features I want to do. That's wild yeah that you give yourself the gauntlet yeah of like how often do you do a double feature not very often no but you give yourself the gauntlet of like i will appreciate this movie more if i pair it with another movie a hundred percent you probably won't like 
you'll probably take it in better if you just watch one movie. Yeah. But um, For that's me, that's very interesting. I, 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 I wonder if that's a way of like postponing it more. I don't. What I get from it, what yeah. I really like is that there are films, there's two different types of reasons why I like pairing up films. One is when I discover that a film inspired another film mm. and I want to watch it like one film and then watch the other one and to get like a greater appreciation for like what the filmmaker was thinking when they were making that film and like what inspire and like seeing what inspiration they drew from the first one yeah. when they were making their film. Like and Wong Kar Wai to like Lost in Translation, that kind of. Yeah, stuff. totally. And like, um, like with Donkey Skin and The Love Witch, and like just films when i find out that filmmakers are like yeah i really love this film and it made me think about filmmaking i go i want to like pair those two films together um the second reason is because thematically they're very similar Mm. um they're oh i guess the other version i should mention but it's more obvious and it's like no duh is when there's a remake, like mm. one of the double features I haven't done yet, it's one of those that I put like thought about it last year and I put it off, was watching the original Suspiria and watching the new Suspiria back to back. Wow. That would be a lot. <laughs> that would be a lot. Um, uh, but stuff like that. I mean, when there's remakes that you want to watch. Uh, there's also recently I got into a conversation with friends about um the robin hood films and how most robin hood films are not successful yeah oh interesting they're not yeah and so um this was a triple feature with watching um uh the original like it, it was in the 1930s yeah um robin hood and then watching the um men in tights and then also watching, um, was it Sean Connery's Robin Hood or was it, what's his name? Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Um, oh, you got the first no. name. No, you got, wait, hold the on. The Postman. Kevin. Kevin Costner. Yeah, Costner. Yeah, Kevin Costner's Robin Hood. So just doing a triple feature of watching those Robin Hoods all together. And I don't think Kevin. You didn't want to work in the Ansel Igor robin hood with jamie fox <laughs> no 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 no. because we we're talking about the films that people regard as the good robin uh, hood films the the films that people are like oh we should keep creating robin hood films mm-hmm. and um i know there's also disney's robin hood but that one's i don't think that one's looked at as a robin hood film that one's looked at as a disney film yeah. which is a different thing altogether um and i know people who don't like kim costner's uh robin hood but those are the films that people that were successful Robin Hood films, even though they're not necessarily because they're all different. They're all really different, too. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of like that idea sparked the idea of doing a triple feature with watching like those three films and kind of seeing what are the things about these movies that make a Robin Hood movie work. Because every other time they do Robin Hood, it's horrible and it fails. And it there's like when they tried to make Gladiator, but it was Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Yeah. And then, yeah, the one you just mentioned with Ansel Elgort. No, not, it's not Ansel Elgort. It's um, the guy from The Kingsman. Is that not Ansel? No. Oh. But Aaron Jamie, Egerton. Yeah. Aaron Egerton and Jamie Foxx. Yeah. That's I interesting. Have, I actually really like that triple feature because we used to do triple features of like franchises. So yeah. like Shaun of the Dead, 
Back to the Futures, and we would just drink throughout them. Yeah. And play drinking games to them. I really love the idea of doing that for franchises and comparing them. Yeah. So you're actually kind of like adding like a analytical view to it. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah, that's when I think about stuff, it's stuff like that where I'm like, these films are not necessarily the same, but comparing them like basically when I think about double features or triple features it's usually because there is either an inspiration like Mm -hmm. a true inspiration that runs through them or I want to compare them because they have a lot of things in common but I want to see how they deal with those common themes differently somehow they benefit from the viewing way like somehow they benefit from the triple feature yeah like juxtaposing them totally and um most of the time too i've seen at least one of them yeah so that in my brain it's like and it's also in another way too is another thing that might be good for some people a lot of times these kind of double features are a way for me to see a film kind of the opposite Mm -hmm. of what you say where Mm -hmm. you say like oh it postpones it it postpones it for me when i think about the event of it where i have to like put it all together and like oh do i want to invite other people into this because it is something i am putting effort into doing um but there are a lot of films where i am like i don't think about watching them as as by themselves when i think about watching them is when i think about another film and i go oh what would be a really good film to watch in comparison to that and yeah it would be this film that's so interesting i did that recently with the um agatha christie adaptations the interesting Poirot, um murder mysteries that the would old be ones, fun the and classic then pairing ones. them with did you the, pair them with the new one um actually well i did but i didn't watch though i didn't watch the both the murder on the orient expresses yeah. together i watched um it was like murder on the orient express and like murder on the nile yeah um but i actually got into an interesting thing i watched it with my dad and he was like oh i think i like the newer version better which is really weird because it was also not great um but yeah but the thing was, and he was mainly hinging on the fact that the original has a really long-winded opening where it like gives you all the backstory about the crime that happened. Yeah. So by the time you get into it, it's like you're you already know what's happening, but then they're interviewing these people about like their backstory and like what happened when it came to the event. Mm-hmm. Whereas my dad was like, "You don't. I just realized you don't actually need that." Like, you can just have Poirot go on the train and start interviewing people, and you can find out about what happened. Through that. Through that. So you're not recovering it. Yeah. Very interesting. We well, got to get out of here. I'm uh, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Selena asking, uh, I feel like you gave us a pretty good, honestly, you gave you gave us some good stuff of, like, take out the fancy dining wear. Yeah. Don't, uh, d- d- don't put fancy movies on a pedestal. Enjoy yeah. it just whenever. Totally. Um... What else? Your viewing habits of locking yourself in a pitch black room and yeah. uh, holding yourself accountable. Prepping um, beforehand is the key. It's not just the dark room because you could watch it in a nice sunny, you know, gazebo and enjoy it. But oh, if that does sound nice, it's so nice. But if you don't have those snacks or that little hot chocolate and yeah. you don't go to the bathroom beforehand, you're going to find excuses to leave. Good. That's a really, really good point. Awesome. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Movie Diet. Thank you Great. for having me. 
Um, awesome. If you guys uh, want to follow us on social media, you can follow us at, at What Will We Watch Podcast on Instagram. We do a lot of fun clips and promotional stuff. And uh, honestly, I think it's a better form of this podcast. I think that this podcast lives better on inst- on Instagram. Um, you can review us on Apple Podcasts. If you give us five stars uh, and a review, I will re- read. I will read your review on the next episode in Kronk voice. That's my new thing. I love that. Yeah, you can write whatever you want, and I'll read it out in Kronk voice. Um, other than that, please join us next week. Tell your friends. That helps a lot. And Selena, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Will, for having me. Are you on social media? Is there anything you'd like to tell the audience? I'm still Cine Selena, wherever you can find me, um, which is C-I-N-E-S-E-L-E-N-A. But I've kind of... 2020 i kind of broke away from social media a lot more the healthy move the healthy move but i am a frequenter of discord and twitch not i don't stream but i'm just there i feel like you're on letterbox i am on letterbox you're right i forgot about that one same username um most of my reviews are very short and sweet i feel like you're actually a really good person to follow on letterbox oh wow that's a compliment i don't i I don't follow you i just feel like you have some really good points i'm gonna follow you right when we're done amazing amazing yeah i am on letterbox that's actually yeah contact me on letterbox say hi and uh yeah enjoy your week go watch some movies goodbye